0: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
1: This is so cool. This is so very, very cool. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app. And it is international women's day. And for the second consecutive year, ESPN with their NBA coverage is going to have an all women led broadcast on um, today. They will feature uh, the Mavericks and the Pelicans 730 tonight on ESPN you've got Beth Mowens, Doris Burke, Cassidy Hubarth on the call it will also feature women in key on camera behind the scenes roles including Malika Andrews, Cheney Ugumake, Becky Hammond, Monica McNutt, Ramona Shelburne they will all be part of uh, women's NBA countdown shows today as well Monica joins us right now Monica it's Canty and Carlin what's going on how are you? Hey, guys. I'm great. How are y'all? We're doing outstanding. And first of all, just, you know, what this means to you, having uh, this happen for the second straight year on International Women's Day.
0: I mean, obviously, I appreciate our company's commitment to this. I think it's a wonderful celebration. Um, There's so many folks, as you mentioned, that you don't even necessarily see because they are in front of the camera, but they make this thing happen. And not just today, but throughout our NBA season with our various folks and teams and talent and and the whole bit. And so I just think it's an incredible display for both young women and young girls or young women and young men to just see, you know what I mean? Like girls, if you see her, you can be her. And for the fellas, like, it just normalizes something that maybe we don't see traditionally. And so I just think it's a great day to celebrate.
2: Congratulations on being on the broadcast, first and foremost, Monica. But I want to actually get into the game that you're covering tonight. And it's featuring the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. And we saw that they were able to pick up their third win with Luca and Kyrie both in the lineup. Tonight marks the 10th game that the two, the tandem would have been together. Kyrie said in the post-game interview after their win last night over the Jazz that he felt like this team was hitting their stride and they're close to being at a championship contention level. Is that what you're seeing on the court between those two guys right now?
0: Man, uh, CC, no. Nope. <laughs> so it's all cap from Kyrie. Oh, that's all cap. It, I- no, no, no. I won't say it's all cap. I think perspective is very powerful, and it can be beautiful. The offense that those guys can put on that floor, sure. And I actually think that we're in for some shootouts in terms of the series that we'll see in the Western Conference. But defensively, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And then, granted, the Utah Jazz, terrific win. But that's not a team that you're going to see in the postseason. And so I think you got to crawl before you walk. I will buy them as contenders when I see a defensive constitution that is undeniable.
1: Monica McNutt joining us, ESPN NBA analyst. Can they coexist, Monica? Can the two of them together
0: coexist? That's not an issue for me, Carlin. I think so. Like, if you look at their track record, particularly Kyrie, he's lined up besides superstars a good chunk of his career, at least in the last uh, 10 years or so. Well, maybe we would have let down to seven. So I'm not worried about them coexisting offensively. I'm worried about them committing on the other side of the basketball. And I, whether it's them on the floor together or the rotations that Jason Kidd decides to roll with, and they're not on the floor together, like I'm not worried about the offense. Those are two very high, high basketball IQ, intelligent guys. The offense doesn't concern me at all.
2: Well, Monica, as a Lakers fan, I'm excited about what I'm seeing from Anthony Davis. Another monster night against the Grizzlies. 30 points, 22 boards. Over the last five games, AD is averaging 33 points and 14 rebounds. What have you seen from him? And what is your outlook on this Lakers team in terms of their prospects of not only making the the play in, but also making a real playoff series?
0: I mean, step one for AD is health, right? Like, that's something that you can never take for granted when you're talking about Anthony Davis. But I go back to something that Darvin Ham told us in the Sixers game right when he was starting to hit a stride, and I think before he hit that second lull for the season. But he talked about um, when AD is healthy and playing pain-free, like, he is a beast. He gets off the ground quickly. He's quick to the glass. I think he had, like, 22 boards in that contest, too, mm-hmm. Um, not Um, he has great vision, he knows how to make the pass when the double teams come, and he can stretch the floor as a big. And so there's no doubt that when he's healthy, he is a force to be reckoned with, but you've got to make sure that he's healthy. And so I had said all along when LeBron went down, this was an incredible opportunity for him to remind the Lakers fan base what they have moving forward, assuming that he has more years left in his career than LeBron. But who knows, LeBron might defy all the logic (laughs) <laughs> um, so I think this is a really, really good showing from him, and I'm excited. I got—I was literally digging into the numbers in terms of the Raptors and the Knicks. Now the Knicks typically don't give up a ton of points in the paint. Um, the Raptors, I believe, are middle of the pack. But he's got a couple more opportunities at home to continue to build that confidence, and he's got guys that are willing to get after it defensively around him and just play hard. Like that matters in terms of continuity. A bunch of guys that want to play hard.
1: Monica McNutt with us, ESPN NBA analyst. Uh, Monica, what is the outlook for the Lakers, assuming that they're in the play-in tournament, or perhaps even better, they're only two out of the six spot right now?
0: Oh, I got them in a first round um, being their ceiling. Like, I just don't – I don't have that even with LeBron. Like, I just don't – I think it's a little too late Um, But if they win a first-round series and don't have to go through two play-in games, I think that's a lot to tip your hat to, considering that this team would have been salvaged at the trade deadline.
2: Monica, all right. I got to ask you to weigh in (laughs) on this debate that's been happening on First Take over the course of the last few days between J.J. Redick... And Kendrick oh, Perkins, Lord. and what's going on? Go. And Nikola Jokic being the runaway favorite for MVP versus Joel Embiid getting more consideration. I guess we can throw Giannis in the mix uh, as that third guy that that has an outside shot of being able to get the award. But where where do you stand when it comes to Nikola Jokic and what he's doing the season that he's putting together versus what we're seeing from Joel Embiid?
0: I think. Like, Jokic has put up these monster numbers and had to carry his team when they weren't healthy. This year, for them to be cozy at the top of the conference and him still having these monster numbers, like, it does matter. I think Joel Embiid has put on quite the show, particularly since uh, January, maybe late December, when he got healthy. But remember, I mean, that Philly team was flopping around a little bit and they had to deal with some injuries. And so I think that's part of the entire narrative. And whether we want to admit it or not, The numbers and the narrative matter when these uh, conversations come up. Like, if you ask me which guy is more valuable to their team, I honestly would say it's a toss-up. I think both are that important. But I think the edge that you get from Nikola Jokic is what he's been able to do in terms of numbers so consistently.
1: Monica McNutt with us. Okay, when you are looking at MVP in its truest form, if you're a voter – how do you evaluate that? Because I have always been a guy that uh, looks at it as most valuable to his team's success. It doesn't necessarily all have to do with the numbers.
0: In terms of personal stats or a team record? What numbers do you mean? Team stats, uh,
1: personal stats. Like it doesn't necessarily have to do with personal stats. It has to do with what the team did during the year.
0: Okay, so I got you. Let's let's go with your logic on that, right? Yep. I think that both are equally important to their squad. So mm-hmm. then now how do we differentiate? Then I'm going to look at the numbers in terms of how that has played out. And for me, the assist numbers are something that you cannot deny when it comes to Nikola Jokic. Not only his ability to score, but he's also literally creating opportunities for his teammates. Now that doesn't mean that when Joel Embiid makes a pass out of a double team and it swings twice that that wasn't – that doesn't stem back to his presence on the floor, but I can't necessarily quantify that as the way I can with Nikola Jokic's numbers. And I am willing to hear arguments for both sides, y'all. I don't want you, I don't feel like this thing is a complete runaway. Like I'm willing to hear arguments from both sides, but when I look at it right now, the consistency, the availability, um, the standings in terms of where the nuggets have been all season long, I got to slide that way. <laughs>
2: Talking with ESPN NBA analyst Monica McNutt on Canteen and Carlin. And Monica, let's switch gears and go over to the Eastern Conference. There's a team that's backsliding a little bit in the Boston Celtics. Hadn't necessarily looked like they're a championship caliber squad, and, and you got a chance to, to look at them up close and personal with their double overtime loss to the New York Knicks a few days ago. What are you seeing from Boston, and is there cause for concern in terms of their prospects of being able to get back to the NBA Finals?
0: So I always go cause for concern, meter one through 10, right? Like my meter for them is probably at about a five right now. You look at the last handful of games, they have not been healthy. Now you could say plenty of teams have not had their whole complement of guys throughout the year. That's not necessarily an excuse, but it's not as if they've been getting waxed, right? Like they haven't been healthy. The games have come down to crunch time. If, what's-his-face, if Grant stops running his mouth and makes two free throws, like, we're having a a different story, right? Um, And for whatever reason, the Knicks have just kind of had the Celtics number this season, and that's no disrespect to the Knicks, but that's a matchup that they clearly get up for, and you get an out-of-body experience, 38 points in 55 minutes from Emmanuel quickly, and so I think things that represent sort of outliers have happened over the course of this losing streak, but If you are going after an NBA championship, the margin of error is not wide. And so you've got to figure out how to close the gap, uh, particularly in late game situations. But I do think that health is something that we can't overlook when we look at some of the losses that the Celtics have taken lately.
1: Monica McNutt, she is part of the ESPN NBA coverage tonight. And on International Women's Day, it will be all-women-led broadcast tonight. We are excited uh, for that tonight, but also just excited every time Monica does games because she does an awesome job on yes, the sideline sir. and as an analyst on ESPN Radio whenever you see her. Monica, Appreciate great you
0: fellas. Yeah.
1: It's absolutely. absolutely enjoy, enjoy the broadcast tonight, Monica. We'll be tuned in. Yep. Thanks, y'all. Monica McNutt, ESPN NBA analyst. It's Kantian Carlin on ESPN Radio. We've got some breaking news here that we've got for you in about 30 seconds. If your hiring needs are heating up, you don't have to do it all yourself. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates with tools like Instant Match You'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Invite them to apply, and you can even schedule or conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Candy, this just in from the ACC tournament. After a heartbreaking loss today uh, at the buzzer to Wake Forest, Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim has retired, according to the mm. Syracuse Post Standard, and Adrian Autry is now the new coach of Syracuse basketball, who, of course, played for Boeheim, uh back a while ago. So one of the biggest names in the game uh, calls it a career, and you had heard some frustration from him, uh, over the last month, two months, and you know how he was answering questions post game, you could just kind of feel like this season was getting away from him a little bit.
2: Just a little bit, but, but Carlin, it, it's been a hell of a run for Bayheim with the Syracuse Orange. You're talking about him being synonymous with the program overall. Uh, I mean, five final fours, one championship. nearly five decades in one place, 10 conference championships. I I mean, could you have – listen, this is one of the most decorated collegiate coaches, regardless of sport, of all time. And so for him to step away, um, I I think we should focus on, you know, what he's meant to the sport and celebrate his legacy moving forward, much more so than the last couple of years
1: with Orange basketball. Well, listen, the guy over a 1,000 wins. There are two guys who have done that, and that's Mike Shoshevsky and Jim Bayon. Yeah, I mean that, that tells you all you need to know, and and that to me is absolutely remarkable. The guy has had a great, great career, and now Syracuse will enter a chapter with a new coach for. The first time since the 70s, basically. I mean, that's that's absolutely nuts when you think about it.
2: Yeah, let's hope their transition to a new coach goes a little better than Georgetown's did. Yeah, Another former Big East team. No question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, something we were talking about a few minutes ago that I know you have a lot of opinions on was the Jokic and Embiid uh, controversy slash argument over the MVP uh, stuff And we saw that kind of boil over on first take yesterday with J.J. Reddick and uh, Kendrick Perkins alongside Stephen A. Smith. This was Reddick yesterday uh, on Perk and the voters for MVP in the league. What we've just witnessed is the problem with this show, where we create narratives that do not exist
2: in reality. The implication, what you are implying that the white voters that vote on NBA are racist. That are They, they favor white people. You just not, said that. You ju- not, yes, you did. I yes, did you did. Not, did yes, not, you did. That did is exactly what you implied. That is exactly what you implied. Secondly, not, hold on. Did, hold on. I
0: did not call. I
2: stated the facts. I stated the facts.
1: Now, the two of them ironed it out a little bit later on, and it's all good, but it, mm-hmm. it, it did get uh, very contentious there. Now, Kante, listen. I don't have the experience of understanding where they're coming from on that front, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I can uh, evaluate other people and what they are thinking, either consciously or subconsciously, as they're voting. But I'm curious as to your reaction when you heard that from J.J. Redick and from Kendrick Perkins. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I think...
2: We're in 2023, so it's understood that diversity matters when we start talking about these spaces when it comes to MVP voting and and who's actually voting and Kendrick Pershing laid out the facts. Now, I don't think he was implying or intimating that the voters, you know, you know, have a lean toward Nikola Jokic because, you know, he's, you know, European versus Joel Embiid, you know, who's black. I, I don't think it's that situation, but I do think there are unconscious biases, and we all understand that, and we we get that, which is why we champion diversity in so many different spaces. Now, that aside, what I will say is this. When it comes to the conversation about MVP, I will agree with Big Perk in terms of the criteria continuing to change. We constantly move the goalposts when it comes to MVP. First, you know, based on some people's logic, it's the best player on the best team Uh, based on other people's logic. It's the guy that means the most to his team, even though they might not have the best record based on some other people's logic. It might be advanced analytics. And I think that's where JJ was coming from with the ladder, with the numbers And to that. I would say if MVP just came down to analytics, then let's just let a computer pick the damn MVP. We, yeah. we don't need to have voters chime in and say who the MVP is for any given season. We can let second spectrum with their, their cameras in the arenas or we can let win share or plus minus or all the value. We can use all of these advanced metrics to determine the MVP. But the reason why we don't do that is because context matters. The other reason that we don't do that is because both sides of the court matters. What you do on the defensive end actually matters. And when you're comparing Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, there is no comparison when it comes to who the better defensive player is. It's by far and away Joel Embiid. You know how I know that, Carlin? Because I'm old enough to remember when the Denver Nuggets were playing the Golden State Warriors in round one of the playoffs last year. And I remember watching the Golden State Warriors in half-court offense hunt out Nikola Jokic's defensive coverages to exploit him because he didn't know whether he was coming or going when it came to the different guys that they lined up on him to take turns getting buckets. I've never seen that with Joel Embiid. Not once. No. Not once. And so I think that part of the conversation needs to be had and – that part of the overall game needs to be respected because it's not just about scoring points. It's about stopping your opponent from scoring as well. And I think when you combine those two things, based on what we've seen from Joel Embiid and the Sixers, who, by the way, play in the tougher of the two conferences, he would
1: be my guy to get the vote for MVP. The way I'm always evaluating it is what you mentioned a few minutes ago, what we were talking about with Monica. I want to make the MVP – the player who has been most integral to his team's success in a particular year. And I don't want to be 100% reliant on the numbers. I want to use them as a as an evaluating factor, but I also you also know it when you see it too. Yeah. <laughs> you also do. You cannot take that away from it. And there have been so many times where the players with the best numbers have ended up winning an MVP and it drives me insane when they're not on the best teams. It drives me absolutely insane. I think that that's where this needs to be very closely defined because when I look at an MVP, I mean, what player, if I took them away from their team, would it hurt the most? What team would hurt the most, you know? And uh, to me, the argument is there on both sides. I feel like Monica does. I can listen to arguments on both sides right now and I can be convinced one way or another. Because if you took either of those guys and beat or Jokic off their teams, it obviously changes their fortunes a great deal. And as much as she wanted to point to the assists, I also see it from your perspective on the defensive end. And I don't mean, I don't mean to sound noncommittal here, but there's just, there's still a little bit of time here to make an assessment. Just to put a ribbon on this thing, Joel Embiid is doing something this year that
2: we haven't seen done since Shaq when it comes to big men. He's got 11 40-plus point games. He's got two 50-plus point games, including a 59-point performance against the Utah Jazz back when the Utah Jazz actually cared about the regular season. Carlin, it's phenomenal what we're seeing Joel Embiid do as a big. To me, he's one of the most dominant players in the game. And he's not getting credit for the complete dominance that he's displaying because we devalue the defensive end of the
1: court based on how the modern game is played. College basketball is in the home stretch. Tune in tonight. It's the ACC tournament. Coverage begins 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's Canty and Carlin with you on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. In just moments, there's been a lot of talk about one major mistake that Lamar Jackson is making and how much it is hurting him. We will tell you what that is and if it actually is a problem next on ESPN Radio.
0: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Canty and
0: Carlin podcast.
1: Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. There's been a lot of discussion around Lamar Jackson, not based in everything that we have been talking about over the last day or two, but over the last, I would say week, week and a half, Canty, Yep. There's been the discussion of, is he really making a mistake right now by not having an agent? How much is that hurting him in this situation? Here's Kimberly Martin, ESPN NFL reporter this morning with you on Get Up. The issue with Lamar not having an agent is a big one. Why? Because an agent will go out there and ascertain who wants you and how much do they want you. If Lamar Jackson has an agent to go out there and say, is there another owner out there outside of Steve Bashotti that wants my guy? Does he want to give, is there another owner who is willing to give 230? And if not, that severely hampers Lamar's, um, negotiating strategy in that sense. So I think that not having an agent has really been an issue because Lamar may have miscalculated um, the market out there for him. I don't know that he miscalculated
2: oh boy you know carlin i love kmart i I think she does a great job reporting i just cannot get on board with this take a couple things here first of all this is not about lamar jackson's abilities and whether or not teams want him or think he can help them this is about nfl owners not being willing to give players guaranteed contracts Herm Edwards talked about it. He came into the league in the late 70s, and it was an issue then. It continues to be an issue now. There's a reason why we don't see quarterbacks getting them all the time. Kirk Cousins once upon a time got one with the Minnesota Vikings because they were desperate for a quarterback, and he played the Jets off on the, on the Minnesota Vikings, was able to parlay a three-year contract. I think it was like $84 million, whatever it was, fully guaranteed. Not in the ballpark of the money we're talking about with Deshaun Watson or with the money that Lamar Jackson wants, but still worth noting. This is a situation where owners don't want to cross that line because they understand how the power dynamics shift. And Greeny brought this up to me earlier today in between the breaks on the show, but he made the point that NFL owners see what's happening in the NBA with player empowerment in the guaranteed contracts and the issues that that sport is having with load management, and they don't want to go down that road. They feel like guaranteed contracts is the third rail. So I don't want to dignify all of the ridiculous reasons that people might throw out there as to why teams might not be interested in Lamar Jackson with a response. To that, I will simply say this is about something that's bigger than Lamar Jackson. This is about guaranteed contracts and owners not wanting to establish that precedent. They were mad as hell when Jimmy Haslam did it, which is why Steve Bashati came out, you know, in the following weeks and was talking about how upset he was, which was because he knew that Lamar Jackson would use that as the basis to start his contract negotiations with the Baltimore Ravens. But that's what this is all about. The owners don't want Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, or any of these other young quarterbacks that are going to get it, that are eligible for contract extensions that are top 10 to 12 at the position, they don't want those guys to get
1: the idea that they can get a guaranteed contract from them. Listen, if you're going to come with the idea, as many have today on social media, has been going back and forth with some fans about this, that Lamar Jackson can't play, just get out of my face. You know, because you don't know what you're talking about. No. And that's just absolutely silly. If you're going to start throwing the injury thing at me, too, I can give you 10 guys who have missed more time than Lamar Jackson. You just don't realize it because Lamar actually has his more pumped up publicly. All of that is exactly what you're talking about, has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the guaranteed contract. Yeah, and people that are putting that
2: stuff out there, they're carrying the water for the NFL. They're doing the NFL's dirty work, whether they realize it or not. Because that's what the NFL wants you to believe. Carlin, this has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson not playing at the end of last season or not playing
1: at the end of 2021. has nothing to do with that. No, no. The NFL doesn't want you remotely thinking that they're not willing to pay guaranteed contracts, even though they're not. That's not what they want you thinking. But can't he? I'll say this, not having an agent is dicey, not from the standpoint that Kimberly was talking about, but something Herm brought up earlier. You start having these conversations and you hear things that, and you and I both know this, that from the team that an agent normally would not share with you. And there could be some pretty tough language and some pretty tough descriptions about your work. That's being used in negotiations and an agent's never going to share that with you Mm -hmm. and i think it would be natural if you're lamar jackson or whoever he has in that room uh if he is there hearing things like that to take it personally to really get completely worked up by it and the people who say that it's nothing personal it's just business no that's crap get into a negotiation And for you as the person that is performing the services, it does get personal. It does. And that's why having a buffer like an agent in this situation can help because maybe that all along, maybe that has played a role. I don't think Lamar has done anything wrong here, but maybe that has played a role in fraying the relationship with the Ravens by not having that filter of information from uh, from the team to the client. Yeah, I'm sure there's some of that. All you got to do is look at Lamar's social
2: media, and you can see that he's taking this personally. Now, I don't know anybody that doesn't take their money personally. Uh, I mean, yeah. so I, I get it <laughs> from that standpoint as well. Um, but but to Kmart's point about not understanding the marketplace, here's the thing that you got to get. And I know this because I was a player union rep. I spent a lot of years um across various teams working as a player representative for the nflpa this negotiation this situation that lamar jackson is in is so consequential that you have to know every resource that is available to the nflpa including their relationships with all 32 clubs will be utilized in order to ascertain as much information about the landscape that Lamar Jackson is headed into once free agency kicks off. They're helping him because they recognize what this could mean for the rest of players. This is a watershed moment, potentially, Carlin. We could look back at this moment if Lamar Jackson is able to get the kind of deal that he's looking for. We could look back at this the same way that we looked back 30 years ago to what Freeman McNeil and Reggie White did in fighting for free agency. It, it has that kind of gravity to it in terms of the power that players would now have and their ability to realize their, to realize their full financial
1: potential based on their skill sets. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app in just moments. Yes, we return. To Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. America held hostage. You know, these things are just out of my control. By Aaron Rodgers. Day 59. That's right. What's the very latest with his future? Plus, Canty, we will have some breaking news on one of the great young stars in the NBA and when we're going to see him back on the court. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
0: and carlin the podcast
1: breaking news i mean kind of breaking news we you know what we need canty we? we need a sounder for real breaking news mm-hmm. and then we need one for eh, kind of breaking, yeah, breaking news <laughs> <laughs> i kind of I like that you. idea <laughs> I'm um, with you. this from the new orleans pelicans they announced that diane williamson Recently reevaluated for his right hamstring strain, Uh, medical imaging revealed it continues to heal. His next exam will take place in approximately two weeks. So in other words, it's at least another few weeks for Zion Williamson at this point. And I, I just it's so disappointing because every time he's on the court, it's awesome to watch. No, oh, it is. It I really mean, it, is. It's
2: box office.
1: It's, but, it's, it's much,
2: it's but, a, but it's all is, too rare. <laughs> is it appointment television when Zion's yeah, playing? I think it, so. It's appointment te- like because you know you're going to see those high right real plays. And I don't, Colin, I don't know that we've seen a player more dominant in the paint in today's game than Zion is. Yeah. Like, I mean, this guy can put up a 30 piece nugget and you're talking about all his
1: shots being within five feet. It, here's how I would judge it, okay? If you're playing on a West Coast game, is there a chance that me living on the East Coast is going to consider standing, uh, staying up and watching it? Hell yeah. For Zion Williamson, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, no,
2: yeah. there's no there's no question about absolutely. that. Absolutely. There's no question about that. But, you know, Colin, this is positive news for the Pelicans that are hanging on by the thread right now to try to stay in the play-in picture. I mean, if you're a team that adds Zion Williamson going into – a play-in scenario, you got to feel pretty good about the Pelicans' chances to reel off two wins, no? I mean, think about it from this standpoint. The rest of their regular season is not exactly murderer's row, Mm -hmm. and you're talking about nine of their remaining 16 games being at home. Mm -hmm. Think about this. Two of the road games that they play are against the Houston Rockets.
1: Can we we go ahead and count those as wins? (laughs) I I think it's – I think it's safe to say the Rockets are, for, are focused and headed in the other direction Exactly.
2: That that Exactly. That's all I'm simply saying. So I think that the Pelicans are in a good spot to at least make the play-in tournament. And if you're talking about getting a healthy Zion Williamson with an opportunity to get a couple of games under his belt before you get to said play-in, then all of a sudden the Pelicans can make a push to actually be a team that vies for a seven or eight
1: spot. So who who slides out if they're not making if they're making it? I mean, right now they're in the ten spot, right? Yeah. Uh I think we would agree that nobody in front of them is going to slide out. So nobody. What I, I guess what I'm saying is, we're talking about Oklahoma City, Portland, Utah, all not making it. Yes, those are
2: those teams are all not making it. So the teams, the three teams directly in front of them, that will be their primary competition for the play in the Timberwolves who are in the seventh spot, the Clippers who are in the eighth spot, the Lakers that are in the nine spot. I would not be surprised if the Timberwolves find themselves on the outside looking in of the playoffs once they kick off. So right now they're the seventh spot. I would not be surprised if they drop two games in the play-in tournament and not in the
1: playoffs at all. That would you know, shock me. It can't be along those lines, you know, just to turn it for a moment. It's been admirable what Dame has done. Is he going to continue to ride this out in Portland? Ugh. I mean, he has been, he, he's been steadfast in this. Yeah. But I don't know how you can look at this. And frankly, I don't know how anybody in Portland would truly blame him at this point if this team's not even going to make the play-in this year with where he is in his career to asking for an opportunity to go somewhere else. No, but I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, I I don't think he is either, but... I don't think he's going to do it. Do you think this is about... Listen, I get it. He's loyal, and I give him credit for that. But does winning a championship... I mean, listen, maybe winning it somewhere else doesn't have the same appeal to him as it would to other people to just get one? Yeah. You know? That's what it kind of feels like.
2: Well, here's the thing. The only way to salvage... I don't want to say it this way, but to not salvage Dame's career because he's a Hall of Famer, but yes. in order to get Dame where his talent says he belongs, which is on a team that can go on a deep playoff run, the Portland Trailblazers would have to get a high lottery pick. Yeah. I, I don't know that that happens this year, but that, that they're, they're, ha- they're going to have to add something to David and Fernie Simon in order for them to get to where
1: he belongs, which is going on a deep playoff run. You know, it's funny. As much as we evaluate players now and including championships in it because of the way he's handled himself, that's in no way how I'm ever going to evaluate Dame Lillard as a player. I'm never going to include that because of how he has pushed to stay in his current situation. It's very interesting to me that he's chosen to do that and continues to.
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.